Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film-loving mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to one another so they can once and for all answer the question, who has better taste? And then with me as always is my co-host Sam Blakely. Hello Sam. Hi Hugh, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad, how are you? Very well, yeah, not bad at all actually, except for the fact that we're fresh from me just watching my beloved Man United plumb new depths of mediocrity. I've not even seen the score. What, yeah. Who did we lose to this time? Well, it was a draw. It was a, a draw against the AZ Al- Alkmaar, and it was just uninspiring. <sighs> I mean... <laughs> yeah. Hopefully the listeners are interested in football, otherwise I apologise. Yes, welcome to Please Don't Watch This Football Team. <laughs> <laughs> At least for yeah. four years. Well, yeah. Anyway, that's... That's, that's a, a yeah. different... Bye-bye different entirely different uh, podcast so we're going to get into this week's film uh so it's the film by a uh, new zealander director uh taika waititi uh in his i think it was his third feature film um hunt for the wilder people a lot of people may be familiar with him from films like thor um, he's had success in his homeland in new zealand with a film called boy and um, he also did a couple of a couple of films he's also done a film called what we do in the shadows that was kind of i think his big international break um we may yeah, in fact so, do that in a future episode i think that's on that's on your to watch list i think it is yeah because i've not seen it um and i although have. i was i was tempted to watch it after watching uh, hunt for the wilder people finally because uh, it's uh, yeah i quite like this film um so um a quick plot rundown you know what what happens in this film so mm-hmm. essentially you've got this uh young uh he's young lad who's uh been put up for f- you know, he's been put with a foster family where the uh, enthusiastic um, but somewhat awkward uh, Bella and, <laughs> uh, you know, what you can only describe as Sam Neill's Bushman, um, Hector. And essentially that, you know, he's, he's a... He's a bad he's a egg. Of, he's a bad egg, as the film says. <laughs> yeah, he's a bad egg. Yeah, he's not, he's not a well-behaved little, little boy, is he? <laughs> Unfortunately. Loitering, spitting. <laughs> yeah. Stealing, <laughs> um, just some of the things that he's uh, he's told that you know he's told that the audience is told that he's done in the little montage that shows this very funny as well. He um, how serious they make it out to be, which I quite enjoy as well. Um, and ultimately, what happens is Ricky gets accepted into this dysfunctional family unit, and unfortunately, tragedy strikes. Bella dies. And the adoption agency authorities in New Zealand, they basically say Ricky's got to go back uh, from to, well, he's got to go back into the system, essentially. And he's probably going to go to juvenile detention centre. So because he doesn't want to do that, he runs away uh, into the bush, because this is uh, in the New Zealand bush, uh, essentially. <laughs> you and... said bush. Can't believe you said bush. <laughs> Kids today, yeah. That was a quotation, yep. Uh, yeah, it was, wasn't it, actually? Fair, fair enough. Thanks mm. to the... Interrupting? Oh yeah, no. So it wasn't my my sensibilities. That was uh, that was Ricky Baker's. Yeah, of course. Um, quite at the back there. I'm trying to explain the uh, long term plot of this bush. film. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes into the bush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He goes uh, bush diving, um, <laughs> essentially, um, and he fakes his own death by uh, putting. T- <laughs> yeah, by. Uh, Putting some of his clothes onto like a little like fake mannequin, and he tries to he burns down Hector's barn uh, with this little body inside. Um, and so then from there, Hector finds him, 
and Ricky basically finds out something about Hector, goads him into nearly attacking him. Hector falls over, breaks his ankle, and they're kind of stuck out in the wilderness. And then you get a manhunt for for Ricky and Hector because essentially Paula, the um, the adoption agency uh, worker, she believes that uh, he's been abducted by Hector. So her uh, she's a very caustic character and she's she feels like she's in some sort of uh, how would you describe it she she i think the character thinks she's in like nypd blue or csi she's a bit like when principal skinner finds out that bart is uh, is playing hooky from school and he, he turns into the you know the t1000 from terminator 2 mm. and uh, yeah hunts him down proper manhunt yeah and but she doesn't have any of the authority to do this and she's aided by the <laughs> cavuncular sidekick uh, Police officer Andy, who uh, has some of the funniest parts of the film for me, actually. <laughs> so uh, we should say from the outset, it's it's a spoilerific review. If you've not seen this film, we are going to talk about intricacies and plot points and moments later on in the film. Yeah, the the plot is that basically Ricky doesn't want to go back because he doesn't want to go to juvenile detention centre. With the death of Hector's wife, Hector, who has lived out as a drifter before. You know, he's a man with a past. He goes off and he wants to go off into the bush, basically, you know, poignantly to die, essentially. You know, I don't think he's got any other plan than just living in the wilderness and expiring. Um, and it's, But it's a very funny film, quite frankly. Um, there's some amazing... I, I, we'll go through it more in detail later, I think, when we get to favourite scenes, favourite lines. But the reason I would recommend this to Sam is that it's an indie film with a big heart, big laughs, Funny story, very absurdist. I think uh, I think it would suit your absurdist sensibilities, uh, knowing your sense of humour that you would enjoy, kind of that awkward humour that we get from things like The Office, um, you know, very British like that. You know, Faulty Towers. I think there's a, you can see there's like a genesis of almost the British influence on this on the comedy on this film. I think. Would you agree with that to an extent? Yeah, I think so. It feels like New Zealand is a bit almost more English than Australia is, Um, or more British than Australia is in that sense, mm. in a sense of humour and sensibilities. Yeah. That sort of quirky, wacky, off-the-wall, I say absurdist humour, a bit mighty boosh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Taika Waititi, he came to my prominence uh, because he directed uh, Thor Ragnarok. So I was like, oh, who's this director who's done this? I heard he's done some work on uh, Flight of the Concords, which I haven't seen. But I've seen, well, I've seen little bits and pieces. I hit, I was recommended it many years ago. Never got round to watching it, but I've heard it's very enjoyable um, and people like it. So I was like, you know, it's that kind of off-the-wall boosh sort of humour. So I was like, oh, well, I'll give, so I'll, I'll give Hunt for a Will the people a watch. And was, uh, to hark back to a previous episode, I was enchanted and charmed. It was charming. Um, <laughs> All the way back to episode two there, I think, with Princess yeah. Bride. I wasn't expecting it to be such a charming film. And if you know, if you have seen it, you'll understand the charming nature of this film. And how... Did it charm you right away? Um, when I first... In the first... Well, when you watch films like this, you get a sense that... You know, we're not in a, we're in a landscape where charming, poignant, you know you know, com- comic tragedy sort of landscape is well filled and, you know, there's lots of films that give you this kind of humour but, you know, that sense of um, 
I don't know. Like there's an there is a there's an element in comedy that that does have absurdity mixed with you know um, real sort of uh, earnestness. I would say so. I was a bit skeptical for maybe maybe an hour of this film, thinking it was going to be something that it wasn't. And I think ultimately it did what I thought it was going to do, but it did it in a way that's that wasn't new that uh, sorry that was new even <laughs> that you know the characters while they grow to like each other and respect each other and care for each other it's not in a way that's kind of like they don't criticize each other like at the end when um you know at the end where uh ricky doesn't want the you know the the, the skuck's life to end um he he says that uh you know, Hector's a molester because they all think that this is what's actually happened and that's why they're hunting them down rather than what it actually is, is that he doesn't want to go back into the juvenile system. So I think there's that that kind of element of Ricky will do and say anything and Hector says he hates him and Ricky says he hates him back. So there's that kind of sort of, you know, there's the, 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 they're not playing around, if that makes sense. Although Ricky is, clearly. He just thinks this is some weird, big, weird game. He thinks he's, a, like I said, a gangster. Hector kind of was like, he's like, look, it's over. But Ricky's, you know, it's a, a damaged child, essentially, isn't he? You know, um, he doesn't want to go back to what he had before and he doesn't want to do what he was doing. So he just wants these things to carry on. Um, so I, but the, and the I, I don't think the hu the humor is great in this. I think it's really funny, but I don't think it's what makes me recommend it to you. Because there's plenty of funny things I could recommend you can watch, and you know, off air I often do. But I think with this, yeah, I think you've definitely got to say, here's a film that's it's it's earnestness and it's charming nature of are, are the the drivers of the film, and they make. It's something that I would recommend to people because they they can go. Oh, do you like Flight of the Concords? Oh yeah, you know if I know somebody likes that, I kind of know they're going to like this, so I recommend this to them because I think they'd enjoy it. So yeah. is there anything that you that you don't think I'd like about it, or that you think the the general listen, the general viewer listener wouldn't this, like about it? This is one of these few films where I find it hard to be negative about it, quite honestly, um, and. I found a few critiques of it in in when I was doing the work for Critics Corner later that I was a little bit surprised with. I, maybe I'm being a bit naive. You know, I think this might be well-worn ground a little bit, you know, a bit of a coming-of-age, outsiders, you know, tale that you get a lot of films like that, although I'm struggling off the top of my head to think of some that are so... You know, maybe it's the fact that it's set in New Zealand that maybe gives it an edge that other films don't have it's just set somewhere that you rarely in where we are anyway and you know when you've you know when you're confronted with the hollywood machine 24 7 um that you don't see films from that part of the world and exploring themes that people there kind of live with you know we don't have wild boar in the uk we don't have <laughs> um you know these huge hectares as they keep referring to it of, of bush <laughs> i said bush again uh yeah, so I maybe it can be a bit it can be a bit parochial in its approach, maybe. But for me, that's part of its charm. Um, 
honestly, I this I think this is a home run hit for you. I think I've I've done a bit of a get out here. I've got a film that I knew you were going <laughs> to like, um, because we've had a few we've had a few weeks of heavy. Um, of heavy filmmaking with The Shining and Apocalypse Now. Um, I think it's time for just a bit of lightheartedness. lightheartedness. Yeah, and I think we did have a couple of contentious films. You know, you weren't sold on The Shining or There Will Be Blood entirely. Uh, um, so you feel no. like it's nice to have a what seems possibly to be a safe hit. Yeah, I think so. I think um, this is a film you're going to really enjoy and coming up after the break we're going to find out if uh, Sam did indeed find Hunt for the Wilder People charming so welcome back to Please Watch This and now we're going to find out um, if Sam liked Hunt for the Wilder People sorry Wilder (laughs) People as everyone makes that mistake when they first read this the uh, poster or saw anything about this film. Um, so yeah, so Sam, did you like Hunt for the Wilder People? I, I did. Yeah, I did. Right, I well that's right this week's episode done. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah, <laughs> shortest episode ever. So um, tell me, what did you like about it? A lot of the same reasons you liked it. You know, there is that it's charming, it's um, very funny. But it's not just a knockabout comedy, which I can, actually I was kind of more expecting because we did put this in there almost like a sorbet after three or four hard-hitting, serious character mm. portrait type things. But, you know, it really hit me when Bella died. That was a real gut punch. And it really hit me when Zag died. And it really hit me at various points throughout the story that actually I was invested in their, uh, in their sort of escapade. escape and so on. Yeah, in their escapade. I um, found it very funny. I, it wasn't the funniest thing that I think that I've seen Taika Waititi do, but it was funny um, in lots of ways, lots of little lines. And I think one of the one of the things that I really liked about it was that it sort of remind. In some ways, it I feel like in this film and in a lot of similar projects, often by Taika Waititi, New Zealand people are dealt with almost like Irish people are dealt with in mm. English and Irish comedies. So it reminded mm. me of like um, The Guard, for example, one of the... Oh, it's not right. Martin, not Martin McDonough, what's his brother called? Um, um, I can never remember. <laughs> the other McDonough, The Guard, because, because everyone's there. The word you used, actually, I was going to, I wrote it down to use parochial. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, they're country bumpkins, but there's yeah. a there's a sort of warmth for them, whilst also deriding them and getting a lot of fun out of their humour, yeah. um, which I really liked. Like um, the bit where... Um, the young girl takes him back to her house. And is, it, is that her dad or her brother? I could never tell. Her dad. I'm guessing yeah, it's her she dad, whispers to him, my dad. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, Ricky, uh, I'd kick myself if I didn't ask you this, but uh, can I have a selfie? Yeah, I'd, I really liked that character. Yeah, by the way, it's John McDonough who did the guard. John McDonough. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. And yeah, and it really reminded me of that. Like I say, it was, it was almost like, okay, this accent is funny. That's not the whole joke, but it is funny. In the same way that, you know, in Father Ted, you have, um, gosh, what's his name? The guy who wears the I Shot JR shirt. Oh, um, oh, I can't remember the character's name. Yeah, but, you know, he's, he's you're right there, Father. No, I've got the guy, let me get the voice right. You okay there, Father? <laughs> you know, and actually, he's a funny not character, bad. but they do get laughs out of his accent. I know that you're Irish, and you must feel like every Irish person, you know, don't do the voice. 
And when I watch New Zealand things, I find myself wanting to do the voice because it's funny. He's a bad egg. You know, (laughs) just get as many E's into a word as you can and just turn them into I's and you can have so much fun with it. And I think if um, <laughs> and I think if I'd if I'd watched this film before I'd seen Flight of the Concords, what we do in the shadows, um, even Chris Lilly's work, things like Summer Heights High and so on, um, I would have found it more funny. But it has been about twelve years since I first found the New Zealand accent as a source of humour in things like Flight of the Concords. So it didn't it didn't get me as you know, as much as it would have done the first time round, but it's still funny, and it's really the views, and it's the and it's the behaviours and the values, and you know, there's the group who come and call Samuel's character Hector a pervert. Oh, They're quite a funny Baba Ganoush. <laughs> yeah, Baba Ganoush. <laughs> and it, just the look he gives him when he says Baba Ganoush, as if to go, yeah, and everyone's what are you just doing. Like... We're trying to hunt these people. Stop <laughs> telling him what it is. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, they're real. Yeah, because they're not, they're not scary. They're men with guns who are hunting them, but they're not scary because they're these kind of simpleton, yeah. you know, these kind of, yeah, country bumpkin types. Yeah, that's definitely what they are, isn't it? And they're, they don't really know what they're doing themselves. I think that's something that you do find in these kind of c- comedies from smaller countries, is that they, they, always, they, they always take a view to look in at the characters that inhabit these quite sparsely populated areas and yeah you know that they're not they're larger than life but in a kind of a i don't know in a sort of humorous way they're always they're often yeah. the punchline for jokes oh they seem to have a, a a life and a history they're not just a standard this is a man in a suit there's the chap who's um gosh he's helping on the manhunt uh, I need more information. He's talking to the. Uh, oh gosh, I forgot everyone's name. What's the name of the woman who's chasing them? Paula. The character's called Paula. Yes, that's right. The man who comes along to try to track them down, and he, you know, he talks about the mobile phone. Um, oh, I can't remember so, the character's name. But he's he's just an interesting character. He's got an interesting voice and an interesting manner. He's not yeah. just stock policeman or you know detective man or he's not just he's got stock. a weird Hitler haircut hasn't he yeah hasn't <laughs> big comb over <laughs> yeah. there's he's... all these big local characters and in fact a yeah. film we're going to do in the future is Fargo um, mm. and that's very much like that they'll have you know two minute conversations of just local bumpkins talking in a really funny voice um, just talking about really you know uh, everyday things and you just go this is a this is a properly lived in world this these are not just you know, yeah, cookie cutter people, and they just have an interesting. It's like an interesting insight into a carrot, into a, yeah, into a cultural study. Um, I think another thing I really liked about this film is it is beautifully shot. Mm. Some of those, some of those shots, some of those like, uh, you know, sort of hillside uh, shots. There's that. I don't know quite how they did it. That that sort of three sixty swiveling shot to show time passing and their search, and I can't see the edit points, but. It, do you know what I mean? What I mean, whether uh, which the camera's the basically f- turning around on, first a, on one a, or the second, the one, the earlier on in the film, after the one it's where it, where it's in the snow. Oh, the it, second where, later in the snow. Yeah. Um, no, I probably couldn't see the uh, uh, the edit points in that, but and it's so beautifully shot, and it is. It's, it's one well of those edited. things that second, sorry, yeah, well edited, yeah, exactly, well edited, great cinematography, great mm. choice of shots. And it just gave an extra level of 
depth, I suppose, because it wasn't just a knockabout comedy. It really added something, and it's sort of. I'm also reminded of Hot Fuzz, actually. Um, again, country yeah, bumpkin, that's a great sort of, example, actually. Yeah. Yeah, and in fact, uh, you know, Ricky is kind of like. Um, Oh, I forget Nick Frost's character in that because basically he's really likes bad boys. Shit just got yeah. real, you know. He really likes action movies, and he's kind yeah. of living out that fantasy. <laughs> Lachlan yeah. Milne, by the well, by the way, is the name of the cinematographer in this film. And then you know, hats off to them because they did a cracking job. Yeah, although New Zealand has a you know not an unwell documented history of being awesome for filming things yeah. in. You know. and of course, the Lord of, Lord of the Rings link in this film is. Oh gosh, did they, they film Lord of the Rings there. No, just, just the studio when, stuff. <laughs> when they're hiding from the uh, when they're hiding from the hunters, and he's they're hiding behind that the tr- roots of the tree, and he whispers, <laughs> even though the first one's it's like in Lord of the Rings, <laughs> where he's like trying to mime it to him by uh, putting yeah, his, putting his hand over his finger like a ring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is great because again, it's he's not he can't take it fully seriously because he's just a child in this kind of. Very yeah. grown-up scenario. Yeah, he's he. I don't, it's that naivety and innocence, doesn't he, that he brings to it. Um, like I love the way that he's he's going when he names his dog and he's like, "Well, I can't just oh, look. I'm doing it already." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "I can't decide what to call him. I need to bring out his true, like, vicious nature." I think he says something <laughs> along those lines. And he's like, "I don't know whether to call him. Is it Tupac? Oh no, what does he say? He says something like." Like killer or something like that, and it goes Megatron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and comes out with Tupac. Yeah, and then he settles on Tupac, which uh, nice reference to Ali G in the house. If you ever seen that film, <laughs> like I never think of it as Tupac. No. <laughs> I watched that film again recently. Actually, it's, it's so funny. It's really shit and really good at the same time. Yeah, you know, I remember. I remember thinking. I remember in my head it was a lot worse. And then I watched it again, and, and it's kind of, it's a good bad, and a bad good, you know. Yeah, it's, it's not, yeah. it's not a great, the story's not great, but the the silliness of it is very funny, and it's, yeah. you know, it, I think the re, you know, it, look, let's not review uh, Ali G in the House. Ali G in the House. Yeah. It's kind of like Kevin and Perry go, go wild, uh, go, large. go large, that's really good, again, in the same, so, anyway, we're straying from the point a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, not a... Um, yeah, I think what you described it as earlier is a good way to describe this film. Um, which film did you say it was like again? Half Us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, there's a long lineage of, um, you know, interesting local characters with funny accents um, being actually quite big. Parts. We also need to talk about Psycho Sam, I think. Oh, <laughs> um, Reese Darby. Reese Harvey, yeah. yeah. his character. He's brilliant in that. I mean, he is. he's got one of my favourite lines of the film. He's like, when he says, where uh, Hector goes, what's the fastest way out of here? He goes, jetpack. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, well, we can tunnel. I've got a tunnel. Oh, I haven't dug it yet. <laughs> yeah. He opens up the hatch and there's just more <laughs> there. <laughs> or the bit where, yeah. in that scene where Ricky asks uh, Hector if he's crazy and he puts the... Um, the colander and the pot on his head, and he goes, "Never mind." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's very. And again, because it's Reese Darby, and he's in Flight of the Concords. At first, yeah. I thought, "Oh, is this gonna? 
is this going to work? Is this going to almost not not necessarily great, but am I going to be thinking about that? And actually, it was a fantastic performance that actually, I forgot it was Reese Darby and it was just Psycho Snap. Yeah. Um, wonderful character. Where he just hides as a bush at the end. <laughs> I'll cover you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. I but the, I think, we've you know, I always think of films where they try and put a bit of story in, but the gags don't land and it falls on death ears. Um, a film I'm not a big fan of, quite frankly, that kind of has these fantastical stories is stuff like um, uh, Step Brothers. And the, okay, I'm going to be a bit harsh on some uh, Wolf Ferrell films here, but Step Brothers, The Other Guys, you know, bits of 21 and 22 Jump Street where they have these like fantastical things happen around these completely incompetent characters. The worst example I can think of from a Will Ferrell film is Daddy's Home, and he's trying to—he's sh- trying to show the boy that he can be hard and a big man, and he tries yeah. to drive uh, Mark Wahlberg's motorbike, mm. and he goes through the house, sort of up the stairs, comes out the window, uh, and lands on the floor, and there's this, this whole big thing, and it is so fake looking, and it's so well that guy's dead now, or at least severely, he's going to be a vegetable forever. It mm. really took away from the fun of it because it was too over the top. It's and, and what it reminded me of was uh, an, ep- an episode of The Inbetweeners where Jay gets a new motorbike <laughs> yeah. and he drives it and he just sort of hits a step and falls off and he's and he and he hits hits through the door and the door opens of a shop. That is a million times funnier than just going balls out wackiness, isn't it? You know? Yeah. And you're right. Will Ferrell films. Some somebody's writing those things. Will Ferrell usually. <laughs> I think I like Will Ferrell. I think he's very funny in some films. I think oh, he's so wasted in so many films. He's so good. I think he's very much of the essence that I always think he feels like this is a massive joke, and one day someone's just gonna be like, "No, come on, Will, now it's time to go back to a get a real job and live a normal life again." And yeah, I think he just yeah, I know what you mean. he takes. Well, I think he takes a lot of work that he does with like friends and. You know, a bit, bit Adam Sandler-esque in that regard. Where they, yeah, they want to have a lot of fun making the films, regardless of how good that product is, because it tends to be less yeah. good than it should be. I mean, Holmes and Watson. Oh, I heard it was like the worst film of last year. For that cast, and maybe even that setup, like what you could do with it, it oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, I would have walked out if I was watching it on a plane. Yeah, but anyway, back to uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, since we were... Yeah. Giving some of our favourite lines and favourite scenes. What is your favourite scene of this film? I wrote a couple down. I do think the escape with Psycho Sam is probably my favourite scene in, in terms of the funniest scene. Yeah. I think in some ways to incorporate character, plot, emotions and so on, I do quite like the shit just got real scene where the three, <laughs> yeah. three hunters do catch on them because you get a little bit more insight into Hector, you know, in terms of his sensitivity to being called a pervert in that sense and yeah. and his strength as a character. You know, he's th- he's should be threatened by these people and he just rags, he rags the man around. He had one of my favourite lines, which was, um, he says, uh, what is it? You go into jail, you pervert. Say that again. You go into jail, you <laughs> pervert. <laughs> uh, it really advances the plot. It means that it can't be just a misunderstanding anymore. These are three witnesses that see him as being violent and a pervert, yeah. <laughs> based on Ricky James's <laughs> comments. <laughs> it was hard at first because my hands are so soft. <laughs> I so mean, I think it's between those two scenes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think um, when I wrote mine down, I went see. See, this is it with this film: is you can you can either pick something that's really funny and a bit over the top, but you know that that works on its own merits, or you can go with the poignancy in this film. And there's two really poignant bits in this film that I think work really well, and that's the um, the birthday cake scene where she where Bella plays the yeah. song for him. Um, you know, which you can find on YouTube. It's brilliantly funny and, you know, sweet and enchanting quick, and heartwarming. A quick point on that. It made me think, hmm, what are some of the most creative ways that creatives have got around you paying for Happy Birthday to You? And I came up with an episode of Peep Show where it's Sophie's birthday and they play the, I think it's uh, the Blondie song, Happy Birthday, Happy Birthday. Is it Blondie <laughs> or... And she comes down wearing Happy a wizard's birthday. hat, and, and it's seen as like it's a blonde. what a weird family. Cindy Lauper, yeah, someone from that era that I that I won't know. And the other one was in in the show Community. Just give that a mention again. Every, <laughs> Every week, it cuts, it cuts in. I'm going to cut these bits going. out now because you keep <laughs> mentioning it. It's a good sitcom. We get it. <laughs> it it's uh, the scene opens with them going to you, <laughs> clap, and someone I think Arbed says. Why did we clap? We only said we only sang the last two words because <laughs> <laughs> it's a copyrighted song, so you can't use it. Who's all got the top. copyright on? But then, if, was... they, if they're using a song that is in Peep Show, where they're using that, you know, Happy Birthday, and it's song. cheaper than that. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, what a strange world we live in. But yeah, it is. It is a, that is a brilliant scene, and I almost picked that. But for mm. me, on it's kind of earnest, enchanting lines alone. The bit when they get to the lake, close to the sky. I think that kind of encapsulates oh, God. The, yeah. the the heartwarming feeling that this film gives you. It's that it's the place where Bella wanted to go when she died, and it's the bit where he finds out why Bella took Ricky finds out why Bella took him in. It kind of is like it's the heart of the film for me. I think after that, it, there's there's everything before that, then there's that scene, and then there's everything after it. It's and a real act 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 break, isn't it? Yeah, and, and Hector's character softens yeah which is kind of what you you know you're expecting it like let's be let's you know i would maybe because sometimes with comedy you want it to you know it works on subverting your expectations but the fact that in the end that they do kind of um are friends again and they go out into the bush to look for that bird that's meant to be extinct it's, it's great that that they yeah it gives it real heart like you say it, it makes it a Eight, uh, a hundred-minute film rather than a ninety-minute film. In that sense, you know, it's not—it's not a knockabout comedy that's just going to get one slapstick laugh yeah. from I don't know Hector taking the box and or dropping it or something like that. Actually, yeah, this is a real moment because they have gone on a journey, and I've I've seen a lot of Taika Waititi's stuff being described as happy, sad. You know, this yeah. is, I think even Sam Neill said, you know, this is not a this is not a comedy. This is not a knockabout comedy. It happens to be funny, but it's. There's almost some, there's some, not necessarily gallows humour, but yeah, there is a darkness to the, to the, to the funny. I mean, the funeral scene, for example, oh, yeah. is very funny, but it's also very moving because you, like I said, I punched in the gut from her dying. Um, yeah. But then, in fact, it might be my favourite line, just based on the intonation, um, when, when, <laughs> when Taika Waititi, as the um, priest, again, I don't know, priest, uh, Bishop, I don't know what he's supposed to be. Not familiar um, with the ecclesiastical landscape of southern New Zealand. That would so. be an ecumenical matter. <laughs> he, you know, he's saying, you know, behind one door you've got all the nummy treats you could imagine, and behind, do you know what, what's behind the other door? Jesus? 
no, it's not Jesus. And then he says, it's another door. Do you know what's behind that door? Jesus. It's like, it's no longer a question. Is it Jesus? It's just Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Tricky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of my favorite lines is in that scene. Um, so is that your favorite line of the film or do we have? Let me get, I'll tell you what, I'll give you one more. Um, I'll give you two more just because. Okay. <laughs> After they run away from the, uh, the three Baba Ganoush people initially <laughs> and he says, so what do we do now? We run. Literally seconds later. No, no, no need to do that. <laughs> I quite like that. <laughs> when the and the other breath. one was the um, the inept police officer, not real police, uh, saying to the cameras, $10,000 to anyone who can find them dead or alive. What's that? Oh, alive. Should <laughs> <Yeah>. be alive. <laughs> <laughs> that was very funny as well. I, um... So, one of those. One of those. Okay, I'm going to push you which one. <sighs> I like the way she says... Jesus. <laughs> so I'm going to go with that. <laughs> yeah. That's what was yours? Um, so I've, the, the three I've written down is the one I've already given you. So I said jetpack. That just, that's yeah. brilliantly funny. That bit. So what's the fastest way out of here? Jetpack. <laughs> <laughs> and I like how Ricky responds and go, do you have jetpack? <laughs> yeah, that's, the, that's why it's so funny. Because... <laughs> Uh, this, sorry, listener, this is just two men in their 30s laughing at the word jetpack. Yeah, don't, don't worry about it. it. Yeah. Um, and then the next one that I wrote down was the scene, uh, one of the lines from the scene in the funeral before he's on about Jesus and the doors, which I didn't think was that funny, to be honest. Maybe it's the Catholic in me. <laughs> it, was the, it was the second time around watching it, I think, that really, yeah, that really got me with that. Yeah, I, it's the line where he, where he's basically talking about life, and he goes, "Sometimes it can feel like it, it, there's no way out. That uh, life is like a maze. You're trapped, or is it trapped in a maze designed by wolves? No, you're sheep trapped in a maze designed by wolves." <laughs> That's, That's right. In fact, that was the fourth line that I wrote down, and I thought I can't have a fourth. You know, sometimes in life it seems like there's no way out, like a sheep in a maze designed by wolves because it's actually quite a good analogy sort of but he it's he's always like making it up on the spot isn't it <laughs> but it's but it's yeah but it's so inappropriate isn't it and i think that's something that taika waititi <laughs> does expertly is that he uses awkward people in awkward situations and then have them do the most awkward thing or say the most inappropriate thing but almost to the point where you'd be like well yeah sometimes people do say you know things like that that are inappropriate at the wrong time and even these people are supposed to say the right things at the right time don't always get it 100% spot on um, and yeah, it's, cook zero. it kind of helps that that is Taika Waititi <laughs> delivering that line you know I quite like that that is actually him his little cameo in the film yeah and then the but the line that I picked um, which is my favourite which is by Paula's character is you're more like Sarah Connor and in the first movie too before she can do chin-ups. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe I didn't write that one down. <laughs> that bit's hilarious. <laughs> Honestly, it just on the second viewing, it just had me in stitches. She's got a lot of great lines, like when she's on the uh, the breakfast TV show and she's yeah. no child left behind three times and then he'll know what that means. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's a oh, When she gets Ricky and... Every child is precious. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, she's a nightmare, isn't she? Yeah, but she's a brilliant character, isn't she? That's just... Oh, yeah. Without her... I mean, does she even have the authority to do half the stuff that she's doing? Oh, it? nowhere near. You yeah, just she's just... like, get me the police. I am the police. The real, real police. police. <laughs> He's the authority in that situation, but she's completely taking charge. Yeah, yeah. She'd be a very difficult person. But, then, but you come across people like that, don't you, in real life? Yeah. They're just persistent like that and uh, yeah, like to be in charge of everything. I think that's something I liked about this film is that none of the characters felt over the top though. They all felt like you've met people like that or come across like that or can... Maybe monstrous know. versions of that, yeah. Yeah. Right. They make sense in, that, in the reality of the film. I have to say, one, one thing that I didn't like about the film okay. that is, is almost symptomatic of, of the kind of film it was is that it, they felt like they had to ramp up to a dramatic final confrontation and it went too far with the car chase and the, and that it just got a bit silly um again going back to hot foes that's their silly final set piece works because every little bit of it has been foreshadowed in this yeah. case it was more just like okay well we've had a lot of fun and running around and chases we need to ramp that up to an nth degree and actually it just made it not real for me and especially because they're out so quickly afterwards you know he basically says well he's not a pervert and therefore he's basically in prison for like three days or something but actually the amount of criminal damage the amount of money spent they are sort of resisting arrest to the at such an extent there to endanger lives that it just took me out of the reality of the situation it got a bit too much they could have cut five minutes out of that for me i think right okay yeah i can see that i understand your point there um yeah it doesn't foreshadow at all to having this big bombastic ending does it but i think what they do have is is well is well done and i think i enjoyed it because it kind of ends with him just going oh do you know what mate i'm out of here <laughs> and then the accident you know he accidentally shoots him, shoots him in the ass yeah which you know a bit of slapstick humor never hurts does it in a good film i think when yeah, it's done it, right you enjoy it more yeah. it had escalated but it you know to to quote will ferrell who we've slammed quite a lot that escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see, that's when Will Phil was brilliant. But yeah. That was his best. So, Sam, would you recommend Hunt for the Wilder People to people? I would recommend this film. Yeah, I would Great. recommend this film to almost everybody. Almost everyone. Who wouldn't you recommend the film to? Idiots, again. Just there's always, there's always those people, isn't there? But I yeah. think it suits most tastes. Yeah, so if you are an idiot, don't watch this film. Yeah, I, I will, if I don't bring it up in conversation with you, just do take it personally. <laughs> Wait a minute, what things do you not bring up with me in conversation? No. Um, that's great stuff. Right, so after the break, we're going to do Critics Corner, we're going to do the quiz, and then we're going to discuss what film we're doing next week. We'll also find out my rating for Hunt for the Older People. No, we won't. No, we will. <laughs> we will. Be back in a sec. Bye. Welcome back to Please Watch This. So, we're now going to find out Sam's rating of this week's film. So, Sam, how many Majesticals out of ten would you That's give Hunter? beautiful use of the word Majestical in this film. I would go for 7.5. Oh, 7.5? Okay. Again, yeah, with the decimals. Decimal. Ten is just too, yeah. just, just too few. 
I really, really like this film. There's so much going for it. It's beautiful yeah. and, and all the things that we've said in this episode. I think the ending does, uh, particularly the, the chase scene and, and all that, does get a, it gets a bit too far without maybe earning it or without getting it quite right. If I was watching telly and I've found out that this was playing and it was the last half of it, I definitely would watch it again. I'm not likely to watch it again for the next couple of years at least. So really, really liked it, but not a perfect film. Okay, well, that's good that you enjoyed it. I'm glad that you would recommend it to others. That's the main basis of this uh, whole It was successful. Okay, so we're going to... Yeah, so we're going to look at Critics Corner now. So um, we're going to go with the first review that was from Mark Kermode. Uh, he said that the film was smart, funny, poignant, intelligent, and com- uh, and completely odd and occasionally an indescribable film. Always difficult That's for a film review. <laughs> be... Yeah, um, that vibration ruined that. <laughs> I got really put off by it. That... Uh, silence at the back. So yeah, so if you didn't hear that, uh, smart, <laughs> funny, poignant, intelligent, and completely odd, and occasionally indescribable. I should explain this, the vibration. I should explain. Um, it's my phone charger. You, you've it's, got a dildo one of one of, I mean, how else am I going to maintain a smile? Um, it's the charger. It's one of those. The connection's rubbish. I move my phone an inch, and it takes uh, a while. My apologies. Fantastic. So Kermode loved well, it. Yeah, Como liked it as well. Um, Variety also described uh, this film as Taika Waititi's latest in a pleasing comedy adventure that pays cheeky homage to the key early works from the nation's film first filmic renaissance uh, right down to the castle, the still game Sam Neill. I think um, Sam Neill's brilliant. How have we not talked about Sam Neill in more? He was brilliant. Yeah, I I forgot he was because Sam Neill. Because he's, I suppose he's the yeah. straight guy, isn't he? He's the curmudgeon and he's lived in and he's a bushman. I genuinely forgot it was Sam Neill. I think he makes it look so easy to be that good sometimes that you almost forget him because he don't. He he doesn't give the funny lines really. Um, I think there's only one funny line that I can remember is when he's basically says, "Oh, they couldn't find us out here. They're useless," and and then they're literally there. And he goes, <laughs> "Shit!" <laughs> and they run. I quite quite like it when. <laughs> but again. Um, when Ricky's a bit bored on the farm and he goes up to Hector and says, uh, you know, Auntie says that uh, you should give me something to do because, um, you know, I need something to keep me busy. And he says, leave me alone. <laughs> That's like his job. Or <laughs> 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 oh, when he says you can call it, where she says, Bella says you can call him uncle. He just goes, I'd rather no, he, he can't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so he did have some funny lines, deadpan lines. Yeah, so Variety liked it, yeah. Kermode liked it. Any negative reviews? I know you sort of yeah. implied some earlier. Uh, yeah, so the only only publication I could find that kind of had a bit of a downer on this was The New Yorker. Um, Richard Brody says that gentle and appealing performances can't rescue this facile and cloying comedy about a neglected New Zealand boy who flourishes in an idiosyncratically rustic household. Facile and cloying? Um, I... Yeah, see, no, I, don't I don't agree either. personally. It is facile in a good way. It's facetious, you know. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I I don't like that. I don't agree with that. Yeah. On the subject of criticism, yeah. I very re- uh, this week mm-hmm. bought Roger Ebert's sort of compendia compendium of uh, negative reviews. Um, that's called I hated 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 this movie. Um, a review he gave about a film called North. 
what I wouldn't mind doing now and then, maybe every week, is just bringing in some one biting bit of criticism from this book. I don't know if you're fine with that, Hugh. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's in these uh, Brexit fuel days, let's, let's fuel the hate. <laughs> Here we are. So there's a film called Alan Smithy Burn Hollywood Burn, which I'd never heard of. Do you know Alan Smithy? So Alan Smithy is the pseudonym name that uh, directors who want to distance themselves from um, films that they've worked on. Uh, it's like it's a pseudonym essentially, so they they're not associated with them work. Exactly. That they and the the synopsis reputation. of this film is that somebody wants to remove their name from a film, but their name is actually Alan Smithy. Now, Roger Ebert didn't <laughs> like the film, and just just the bit that I picked out was the only way to save this film would be to trim eighty six minutes. So yeah, quite nice. Just a really nice. I, I was in a quite boring meeting at work, so I started reading that. <laughs> started reading that book, and so you've just started, started reading. reading it. I mean, you started it, reading what pretended it was like my unit class so or something. It made it look just... like I was keeping busy. Uh, good, good. <laughs> I mean, do people that you work with listen to this? Uh, <laughs> no one that will fire oh, God, me. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's pretty scathing, yeah. to be fair. Um, hilarious that a guy was actually called Yeah, it Alan sounds Smithy like a funny film, doesn't it? he didn't want it. What, what is the film called? The film it's called, called North. No, no, North was the, the film that prompted him to say, I hated, yeah. hated this movie. But that's, that's just the name of the book. The film is called Alan Smithy Hollywood, sorry, Burn, Hollywood Burn. And he does refer to the fact that there's no punctuation in that. It's a ridiculous title. I think it was originally called an Alan Smithy film. Then it was called Burn, Hollywood Burn. Then it was simply... Alan Smithy, Burn, Hollywood Burn. He also says about this film, I was looking forward to explaining that to him this week. He was looking forward to talking to the director, or the writer, but he cancelled his visit to Chicago, reportedly because his voice gave out. Judging by this film, it was the last thing to go. It's brilliant. It's really biting. (laughs) (laughs) He's a lovely man and he could really turn a phrase. Yeah. So, critics? Yeah, it's weird when you hear critics be so awful about people's work. It's like no one... I suppose if you go to a restaurant and your food's not up to scratch, people do complain to the chef. Yeah, there's a really wonderful intro where it basically says, you know, the job of a critic is to um, advise people on what films to watch. And and he says that the easiest ones to write and the most memorable reviews are always the the extremes, the love and the hate. I've never watched a compilation of Mark Kermode's favourite film reviews. I've always watched Entourage, Sex and the City 2, all the films he hates. They're so much more fun. When he's talking, you know, <laughs> about all this sort of, you know, awfulness. I think with that, it's there's an element of comedy behind disliking a film, like being so angry at something that it moves you to, to use yeah, vi- not violent words, but you know, derogatory terms for something that ultimately is just a bit of art, and it's a bit, you know, maybe it was made for commercial reasons and it didn't quite land commercially, and you know, if it was made for artistic reasons, it won't artistically you know that these sort of works get you know lambasted yeah and and he normally does tear things down that aren't artistic they're just more you know i love when he's talking about sex in the city too and he says look you're not going to get a rant from me on this 10 minutes later he's there talking about these you know capitalist pig dogs and and all that so yeah we we like mark kermode we like roger ebert i think that's fair to say at this point yeah um, especially Roger Ebert, I didn't really know about him before starting this podcast. So reading his work and 
on the films that we've done. It's uh, been very illuminating to the things that we've looked at, and he's very good at describing what you're watching and giving it uh, a sense of yeah, identity. Yeah, one of a kind, kind I think. Is, uh, yeah, um, fantastic writer. I think that was what I find with that, um, with Roger Ebert. Um, Rightio, so are you ready? The quiz, the quiz, the quiz. Of course I am. Born ready. Okay, so unlike you, as usual, I only uh, have five fine. questions because... Because you like to shortchange our um, audience. No, that's fine. Uh, no, no, because I recognise that there's sometimes there's too much <laughs> of a good thing and you need to rein it in. Fair enough. Um, but I also make mine a lot harder. To <laughs> okay, yeah, it seems like a... Yeah, <laughs> so, um, are you ready? Question one. How much is the reward for finding Ricky and Hector? $10,000. Correct. Let us know when it's 20000 Yeah. What is the advert that is playing in the background when Ricky is talking to you know, Carl? It's funny because that, that almost aged the film. I was like, oh, is this from the 90s? Uh, it's a flake, isn't it? Yeah, it's the 1981 right. flake advert. I, I love that it's bit. Great. It's so good where she's just talking loads and he doesn't really know what to do and then all of a sudden he's like oh my god I yeah, this they found that line right where they have to sort of not sexualize but idolize uh you know early yeah. mid-teens girl without sexualizing it and i thought they found that a good a good line there yeah yeah they did actually yeah because boys do think about these things like that and you couldn't regard you couldn't that shoot her like that you know, so they, they found a good balance. Yeah. Because he sort of falls in love with her. Then. Yeah. He doesn't fancy her. He sort of falls for her. Yeah. But it's the flake advert, which is yeah, the, yeah, one that's... of the sexiest of adverts, isn't it? So that's a bit ambiguous. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I liked that bit because it was, I mean, I think if you're a boy, as well, a boy, if you're a little lad, I think you had those moments, you know, where you looked at a girl kind of like that, <laughs> but not in a kind of a... Not like again, not in a sexual way, but in a ooh, yeah. she's really cute. I fancy she's an, her. She's a princess. You know, oh my god. Yeah, she's an angel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh question four. So I said I was gonna make it hard for you. Name seven of the ten bad egg stuff that Ricky is known <laughs> is to. Is this really question to. four? That was three. Yep, $10, this is question four. Flake. Um sorry, <laughs> question three. So seven of the ten things. Okay, so loitering. Yeah. Spitting. Yep. Setting fires. Yep. Swearing. Yep. Is that one? No, it wasn't. No. Oh, gosh, wait a minute. Loitering, uh, spitting, uh, setting fires. I can picture a lot of the things. He's sort of running. Sometimes he's... Um, yep, that's running. running. I'll give you that. Yeah. Uh, gosh. P- pushing? No, kicking. I can't think of any more. So you've got spitting, running away, burning stuff, loitering. You said swearing, yeah. but that's not one. Do you want to do? So you've got one, two, three, four so far. So you've got another three. Can you think of any more? No. You have to tell me. Okay. Yep. So they, in order, they are disobedience, stealing, spitting. Running away, throwing rocks, kicking stuff, throwing stuff, burning stuff, loitering. It's the and use graffiti. of stuff over and, over and over again. <laughs> yeah. And other stuff yeah. that we don't know about. <laughs> it's a bad egg. 
as if like he was going to have done some sort of mal- more malevolent yeah. things yeah. at 12 years old. <laughs> I love that little montage in, yeah. in the film as well when he's shown to be doing all these things, like loitering just him <laughs> to the side of a road, waving at basically at a yeah. truck. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you got no uh, points, no on, points that. on that. I'm afraid. Uh, question: f- The real question for uh, where is Officer Andy's taser? <laughs> is it back in the? It's in the. It's in the station, or it's back at the shop? No, no. Wait. No. Where specifically is it? What? What was it in his place? locker or something? What town or city? Oh gosh, is it? yeah. Um, I can't remember. It's in Wellington, oh, yeah. in the lockup. I told you it was yeah. going to be hard this quiz after, because you are, if you don't stick to five, I'm going to make. I did say it's lockup, but not a lockup in Wellington. <laughs> no, you said the lockup. That. That's yeah. a different thing. I'm going to split hairs here for you, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, and then finally, question five: What is the name of the extinct bird that they go and look for? Oh dear. And, well, that they see, and then they go and look for. I think it's. I think there's some H's and O's in there. There's definitely a it begins with a H. I'll give you I'll give you a clue. Is that the ha hu or the hoo ha? Ooh, the close. Hi ho hoo ha. Uh, yeah, it's the hi ha hoo ha bird. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it's called. Sam. Well, it's not going to be. Any, yeah. It's not going to be less silly than that. It's a New Zealand bird. It's got. They've got some pretty crazy bird names. Brilliant. <laughs> um, it's the hooia. Hooia. Yeah. Hooia. Sounds like Jared Hooley, the uh, Liverpool football manager. A lot more football talk um, in this episode than so, I was expecting. Yeah, so you got uh, question one, question two, uh, question three, right? But not uh, four and five. I'll take I mean, it. It's a slipping. pass. It's a pass, slipping. 60%. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was Hunt for the, for the Wilder People. people. I'm glad I watched it. It was a lot of fun. Any final thoughts? Yeah, really a lot of fun. I really like Taika Waititi. I'm so glad that he's well known now you know in outside of sort of niche new zealand fancying uh people he's he's directed you know a film thor ragnarok in one of the biggest film franchises of all time so i'm looking forward to jojo rabbit yeah that was kind of the reason uh, we selected this film as well on top of the uh on top of like the fact that we've done some heavy films so i was like oh well jojo rabbit's just come out and uh, he's obviously director and writer of that film as well and he's I think he's got a more prominent role in it as well as uh, uh, the kids imagining of Hitler and how Hitler <laughs> would behave. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that film as well. So Sam, what film are we reviewing next, next week? Next week, we're going to stick with the relatively comedic films and we're going to go for um, the 1990-somethings or 2000-something <laughs> 24-hour party people. And then I think it's from the okay. 90s. What um, do you know about 24-Hour Party People? I think it's from early 2000s, isn't well, it? Well, it's got a young Peter Kay in it before he was famous. I think it... What year did it come out? I'm sure it came out in like 2000. Again, I'll, I'll know by next year. Like, by next year? By next week. Let's... I'll know all these things. <laughs> Let's have what do you know about it already? Uh, I know that it's got Steve mm-hmm. Coogan in it. Um, I know that it's got... 2002, <laughs> I know yeah, I know it's got Steve Coogan in it. I think it's about like acid house house music and stuff. But it's set in the is it set in the late eighties, early nineties? I think uh, in the like the Manchester music scene. 
Um, I know at one point he's off his tits and he speaks to God. It's interesting um, what filters through, isn't it, when you haven't seen a film? Yeah, it's a, and I think he has a conversation with God and he's like, you can't be God, you're Mancunian <laughs> or something like that. Or, or it might be the other way around, he's like, of course you're God, you're Mancunian. Um, I think it's very much Steve Coogan's really love letter to those days that because he, he's from Manchester. Uh, so I think that's that's going to be interesting. To, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it actually because it's. Uh, I know you have a great love for uh, Steve Coogan and his work, so I'm looking forward to uh, indulging in a bit of comedy. Yeah, I mean, it, like a lot of our episodes, it's one of those films I truly expected you to have seen because we've talked about, say, Human Traffic before kind of similar sort of vibe in that sense and yeah i know that you like some of the people involved in this so i'm really looking forward to diving deep into it yeah i think the only reason i i think with this one the only reason i ever saw it is because it it kind of lay in that area of it came out in around a time where it was hard to get access to certain films and i wasn't going to partake with money to pay for a film that i might not have fully liked yeah, I know what you mean. And it's not a film that comes up a lot now where it's not on many streaming services and you know it's not pushed down your throat now that you can access it more cheaply. Yeah. I mean, I only saw Human Traffic because I think you had it on DVD. And we Sounds watched about it right, yeah. That would be my so, brother. Yeah. I might even see if my brother's up for yeah. next week's episode. I don't know. My, my brother really loves this film as well and uh, love to get him on. He loves films. Yeah. I'm also, Hi Joe, by the way. I like He's our Steve... biggest fan. Hi Joe. Hi Joe. Hi Joe. It's weird that he's not talking back. Yeah. <laughs> so I can just hear him going hi now in my head. <laughs> Hello to Joe Blakely. <laughs> and then and then him just calling you something inappropriate. <laughs> that sounds about right, yeah. Look forward to that next week if he's on. Which always tickles me when he does that. <laughs> he just I love you know, he'll literally just call like some he'll just insult Sam and go, Sam, you're a knobhead. <laughs> just Carry on a convers- uh, relatively you, normal you, conversation. You're, uh, you're misrepresenting like... my brother a bit there, but yeah, if he's not on next week, he will be on for a future film. I've got that all in the in the pipe work. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so Hugh, it's been a lot yeah. of fun. I'm really looking forward to next week. I'm glad we did this film this week. How can the listeners get in touch with us? So, if they want to uh, get in touch with us, they need to go out into the New Zealand bush. They need to whittle some sort of um, sticks together. They need to maybe create. Their own like outdoor hut where they can start manufacturing the pieces they need to be able to create a computer. Now this might be a difficulty. I understand that you know huts in the outdoors and um, computer components don't always go together. But you know what? I think I think our listeners Sam are very very uh, uh, ingenious people. If you know, they've else. got to be because they're listening to us. Yeah, the result. Exactly, that's the best way I would describe them. Mm. So I think they'll they'll find a way, just like uh, Hector and uh, Ricky found a way to evade the cops in this film. But failing that, they can. <laughs> if find, you've already got a Wi-Fi connection, please. <laughs> yeah, you, they can email us at pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com. Uh, where can they find us on the internet? On so, the socials, we are on Twitter at pleasewatchpod, and we're also on Facebook. We're called the Please Watch Pod. You can also find us at Please Watch Pod on Facebook. I don't think we'll expand into Instagram and Snapchat because, frankly, that's passed us by. But, um, but I enjoy the Twitterings. Uh, so, yeah, get in touch. But to ins- I don't know what we would do on Instagram. You I'm know, not maybe very photogenic, if... Hugh. I've got oh. to admit that to someone. I'm not very photogenic. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, here's me watching a film. <laughs> 
Here's me watching another. Here's me picking this week's film. Here's me watching. You know, that's there's literally only three to four photos. <laughs> <laughs> Realistically, so yeah, I don't think that's that of any use to anybody. Yeah, Twitter's much yeah. much easier um, as I think. Brilliant. Well, we've overstayed our welcome. Right. You. Say goodbye. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Love you Bye. guys. Bye.